Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Handle Your Scandal podcast. I'm your host, Mara Watkins. And today we have a super accomplished guest with us, my sorority sister, T Lynn. She's not only my sorority sister, but she's also my mentee and a published author. So her first book, Awakening the Dragon, is a poetry collection that follows her struggles to understand herself. It addresses topics such as colorism, sexuality, and acknowledging your own fallibility. Also, she put this collection together to show every step of her journey towards self-acceptance. Additionally, she has been published in the Vermont Connection, a student affairs academic journal. And yeah, she's just pretty, pretty accomplished for, you know, being fresh out of, well, not fresh out of school, but anyways, T. Lynn, tell the people about yourself. Say hello, do something. I'm just over here. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast, Mara. Um, so yeah, that was, thank you for the introduction. That was great. Uh, born and raised in Sacramento, which is where I'm recording from now. I'm a huge traveler in addition to everything that Mara said, really big on traveling. And I'm also a huge fan of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, which is kind of a lot of the other things that I want to start writing in. Um, and my upcoming project is going to be a podcast and like book duo that has some sci-fi themes so that's me all right thank you t lynn for coming on the podcast i appreciate you you know there's so many other things you could be doing during this time and you're here with me so i appreciate it so what have you been up to lately what's been going on i know that you had a birthday trip that you had to cancel because of that rona so where are you trying to go once this shit gets better whenever that's gonna be because we don't know but yeah what are your you you mentioned loving to travel i already knew that about you but where do you want to go once that rona gets out of our lives wow so there are a lot of places um the original birthday trip that uh mar is referring to is was to oaxaca um which is absolutely like really gorgeous I was like really proud of myself. The place I picked, the hostel I picked, there were like all types of museums within like walking distance. And I'm a big museum person. If I go on a trip and I didn't go to a museum, it's like I didn't travel. So Oaxaca is definitely at the top of that list. I might try to go back to Mexico City again because I love that. Um, where else? Morocco is on my list. Colombia is also really high on my list. And I think a couple other places over here in Latin America before I try to ship myself out to South Korea. So I really, I, I have a lot of countries on my list. There's probably more. Probably could think about 10, 20 countries. But, you know, baby steps. I won't be going to all of those within the next year or so. No one, I don't think anybody has that type of money just yet. Fresh out of college. <laughs> and our 20 countries. Damn, girl. <laughs> Um, that's a lot. Yeah, I felt really bad because I, you know, we follow each other on social media and stuff. And I saw your tweets after all this stuff went down. So I felt really bad because this shit is just canceling birthdays left and right. It doesn't make any type of sense. I mean, it does because obviously we want to be safe. But yeah, I really hope that it gets itself situated sooner than later so that you can do all the traveling your heart desires. I personally won't be traveling until after I graduate law school, but I would like that option. I would like everyone to have that option. So prior to your birthday trip, I remember you quit your job and you were working with welfare recipients and getting them resources to get off of welfare. Tell me a little bit about that. What was that like? So that was, it was a pretty good job Um, working, coming from anthropology, which focuses, is very people focused. I worked in El Cajon and it was actually really eye-opening. I didn't realize um, how many people in El Cajon, El Cajon, San Diego, because that's where I currently live, spoke Arabic. Like that whole area speaks Arabic. So I was coming to work and I heard Arabic every day. I heard Spanish here and there. Um, Obviously English was there. And so it was really cool getting to be surrounded by a bunch of languages because that's also something I'm super big about. In regards to actually working with my clients, uh, I love my clients. Pretty much all of them, I they were great people, uh, which is why it was really frustrating. And I think that's why I ended up stepping back from the job because it felt like 
just our system, our political, just the way everything works. Um, yes, I was helping people get resources and the services that they needed. And I did have a couple of uh, success stories and people who managed to get the type of jobs that would allow them to get off of welfare. Um, but then I also had clients that it, they were perpetually on welfare. And I don't know, like I could just feel for them. Like I totally understand, like these, they're not lazy people. It's not like they're just sitting at home doing nothing. But it's just, it was just so frustrating to see people who are trying to better themselves. And it's literally just a matter of they don't get paid enough to exist. And like, in, especially in San Diego, because San Diego is so expensive. But it was nice being able to be like in the beginning, it was really, it was a very empowering role, um, being able to work with people and having that energy and just getting to be their spark and their joy. But towards the end, it was, it was, it was kind of hard. <laughs> Girl, I bet, listen, there's this misconception that you can budget your way out of poverty. That is it. People in poverty are some of the hardest working people I know because they have to be. And it's like, everything you just said, I fully agree with that. Like, no, you cannot budget your way out of prop, excuse me, cannot budget your way out of poverty. You cannot do all of that. And I feel like the poorer you are, the harder it is to get ahead in the system. So you're definitely not wrong there. And I can imagine how stressful that would be. Like being in that kind of work position and knowing what you know about the society and everything the way it's set up and yeah I bet that was super mentally draining so props to you for even taking on that endeavor in the first place so tell me what else is up anything else up just me trying to get to South Korea like fingers crossed as soon as I can make my dash that's what I'm trying to do so I've been a lot of preparing for that and watching k-dramas practice Korean lots of K-dramas. I've watched a lot of K-dramas within the last month or so. They're really good. Korea has good media too. So I know what you're going to be doing there, but tell the listeners, what are you going to be doing in South Korea, girl? That's so different from America. Very. But by the way that they've been handling this whole coronavirus thing, I really wish Ooh, I was girl, let me sip my water. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, so in South Korea, I would like to... Fingers crossed, but if I don't, there are other ways to get there. But I would like to do their program. It's called EPIC, which stands for English Program in Korea. It's a government-funded program that allows... Um, there's seven countries, and I don't have them all memorized. I just know that the U.S. is one of them, that if you have a bachelor's degree and as well as at least a TEFL, since my degree isn't in education or English, um, which is a TEFL stands for teaching English and foreign language. As a foreign language, as long as you have those things, you can go over there and teach and they provide housing and for free, like you get free housing, all you have to pay, the only bills you're paying is like your utilities and lights maybe or Wi-Fi or whatever. And you're just a teacher and you teach English. Um, and I like public speaking. I've worked with kids for sure. Um, I do actually like te teaching and I just given the type of person that I am and how internationally minded I am, it's my next career step has to be international. So it just is what it is. I, like, And if not Korea, though, now I'm very much fixated on Korea. I feel like Korea would be a great first place to, to start. I would be picking somewhere else to teach English because there's a lot of programs like in every single, almost every single country. There's always somewhere to go. But yeah, so that's what I'd be doing out there. Sorry, I'm just taking it. I'm taking it in. I'm letting them take it in too. Yeah, I mean, most people, not most people, I don't want to speak for a lot of people, but like me, when I had a, we, you know, we have other chapter sisters that have done this. And I just like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't picture like living abroad for like such a long time without like, you know, my family or my friends or whatever. So it's like super brave to do that. So I'm going to commend you for that. I don't have any clapping sounds. Maybe during this time I can download some since I can't leave my house. <laughs> but that's super awesome. If I do have some, they'll be put in right here. So good job for you. So let's learn a little bit more about you. You mentioned anthropology and stuff. So that was your major, but you know, we met because we went to the same school and you're in my sorority, obviously. So you graduated from San Diego State University like myself. Um, what made you choose SDSU? Study abroad. SDSU put a big emphasis on that. And the summer before my senior year of high school, 
I went to Madrid for three weeks. Wow. Yeah, I was 17, went to Madrid with EF Tours. So I basically traveled by myself until, and then I stayed with the host family and they were great. That was awesome. And I just, all the interaction that I had with people there, like there were people, there were a bunch of people from all over the world that came there to learn Spanish. And that just whole experience just really, I was like, oh my gosh, traveling is like the best thing ever. I have to be able to do this again. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it again. And so with SDSU, it felt like, um, for one, I got into the honors program and the honors program requires you to study abroad. So I was like, no matter what I do, if I stay in this and I go to SDSU, I will have to study abroad. Like I'll, I'll make sure that it happens so that was that was pretty much the main thing it does help though that my parents both graduated like they met at SDSU and graduated from there and my grandfather my dad's dad also went to SDSU oh dang I didn't know that I mean I knew your parents met there but I didn't know your grandpa went there oh wait I do think I remember this mm-hmm. yeah, he played football he was also a cap Mm-hmm. Big deal. But yeah, so. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> so, so yeah. Well, we can both agree that STSU is a pretty amazing school. All other um, political things aside, <laughs> it's a great school to go to. So you majored in anthropology, but did you have any other minors? I know Spanish. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I was an anthro major and then I had Spanish and the honors interdisciplinary studies was also my minor. So I was a double minor. Um, anthropology is actually, it's very straightforward for me because obviously I have a major, but people, most people don't know what it is. And very simply speaking, it's the study of humans. That's, that's really all it is. And there's like, there's four major fields. Um, but if you break it down, it's kind of, there's cultural aspects, like how people, humans interact including language and then there's also like the physical aspects so like our bones as well as the materials and things that we interact with with in regards to like the world yeah so that's anthropology um and then obviously spanish minor my spanish is it's not bad but i just considering i live in san diego it should be better you know so baby steps with that <laughs> girl same you know what i actually have a bone to pick like <laughs> I don't really talk about the sorority too much on my podcast, but um, my sorority has a very heavy Latina population, especially in California. And I'm not trying to say they failed me, but I definitely should know more Spanish. <laughs> I definitely Same, should I know agree. more Spanish than I do, having taken it for three years in high school, one year in college, and living in San Diego, and being around mostly Latinas in the sorority. Like somebody somewhere let me down. And that's all I'm going to say. No shade, no tea. But. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my thing is I always, I talk so much mess all the time, like in English, that I was like, don't let me try to speak to them in Spanish. And then they're over here talking mess and I can't come back or I can't like argue back in Spanish. I feel like I'm like, I don't know. I'm just in my feelings. So I'm really shy about it, but I'm good when I need it. That's why I have no issue traveling to Mexico. You drop me there. I'm fine. I'm living. I'm thriving. But. Oh no, girl. Here I get all shy. In the Dominican Republic, when I went last summer, I could speak it, but even like just one, Dominican Spanish is way different than Mexican Spanish. Mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> Mexican Spanish is different than like the Spanish that you learn like institutionally. But also, I just feel like that was when I was good because I was drunk most of the time. So then I wasn't like self-conscious about it. But definitely like mm-hmm. in San Diego, I would be super mm-hmm. self-conscious. And then like when I would try to speak it sometimes, people would laugh. So it's just like, fuck it. <laughs> So yeah, somebody somewhere let me down. Shame on them. No, I'm kidding. So how did those, like how did majoring in anthropology and minoring in Spanish and your other minor, how did that help you like foster your passion for writing? Like, have you always had this passion for writing or at what point in your academic career did you decide you wanted to be a writer? Yes, my first encounter with poetry was um, in high school because we actually studied poetry because I was in a certain I was in the international baccalaureate program so we studied poetry and just seeing how more like I don't know I'm malleable I guess you can play with images and words and I don't know like it just blew my mind so that's the first time that I actually started touching um, poetry so I have like a whole notebook at home that has my poems for, from high school. And then when I, in regards to anthropology, I feel like anthropology gave me kind of a lens to see the world. So I focus on culture and there are certain ways that I focus on how people interact 
because of anthropology, but I wouldn't say that it specifically influenced my writing. I think what influenced me the most was my honors interdisciplinary studies minor because I took a bunch of, I don't want to say random classes, but it's interdisciplinary. So they were classes that crossed disciplines, obviously. Um, and my junior year, junior year? My junior year of college, I took a class about humanities, digital humanities. And in that class is where I found Afrofuturism, which is this concept of basically black people being able to see ourselves in the future. Because a lot of science fiction is very white. Like, where are the people? Oh, girl. Talk about it. Like, where are the people? Like, are we not in the future? Where are the people of color? Where are we? They killed us. Um, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I, like, is that what you guys want? Like, we know that it... Anyways. But, um... So that had a lot of influence on how I'm writing. And, like, even my next project is based off of this idea of Afrofuturism and playing with how Afrofuturism works. So um, that actually probably had more of an influence on my writing than anthropology did. Um, but but uh, I, I've always used poetry also to like release emotions. So there have been times, like someone in the past, someone is like really hurt me to the point I literally had a knot in my chest and I wrote a piece of spoken word and that knot disappeared like instantly like a physical like a release so poetry has always been my release for me to understand the the mess that is my brain <laughs> when it comes to feelings and whatnot okay i could see that making sense um but i do think that like anthropology is a good lens culture i feel like you know culture is a good lens to navigate the world to navigate the world through goodness gracious um <laughs> so i could definitely see how majoring in or minoring in like different disciplines would make you want to write because i feel like writing is something that is common in all fields and especially like navigating through like a cultural lens from anthropology mm -hmm. culture is present in everything that we do um like everything people i think it's just so seeped into everything that we do that people don't even realize it like people don't realize that like the fact that when i'm an attorney and i have to go to mm -hmm. court in a fucking suit and heels is like that's culturally a thing like whose culture we can talk about it another at another date but it's a cultural thing it's a cultural norm and i feel like until you actually explore that you don't really notice it as much unless you like choose to notice it if that makes sense so yeah you said that you use writing to you know cope with different things that life throws at you so once you graduated from SCSU I don't know about you girl but I definitely went through some post-grad blues did you have that experience what was that like for you I actually feel like I'm going through them now as opposed to back oh, then. Oh, wow. When I graduated, really? Yeah. So when I graduated from state, I was working at the Office of Admissions, and they still take on students up until a week out from the new semester. So a week before the new school year started, I had to quit, basically. And so, but, and the... It's super flexible because they technically don't need students. Us being there is just extra help for them. So I not only could work more hours than I did during the school year, because you can only work 20 hours a week. I could do a full 40 hour week. And then the next week be like, hey, I'm not going to be here this week. I'm going to go take a trip. So I had all types of flexibility. That was like the best summer ever because I was I traveled a bunch that semester or that summer as well. Um, and then I went about a month. And then I found my next job. So like I've been working. This is the first time that I've been work not working. And now I'm like, ooh, based off of the corona, I don't know what my next job is going to be. Because even Korea, I've, I mean, since I graduated. So I've been working pretty much nonstop. And I am also very much privileged that I didn't have any student loan debt when I graduated. So that also wasn't even an extra stress either. Can't relate. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was like, I'm very blessed. I like, I really, I'm so blessed. Um, so, but this is the first time because I'm like, I took off time and then I was just like, oh, I'm going to get a summer job. Like, I've been a, a teacher, so I'm like, I could do a summer camp or something. Like, I could easily get a summer job. That's not an issue. 
but now with this whole corona thing like everybody is everybody's out like we're that whole getting a job thing is like very much on pause like it's everything feels very uncertain and like even with Korea I have to to finish my TEFL so to finish the little certification that I need to go over there I have to shadow or teach 20 hours of an English class when am I going to do that when we're on <laughs> we're on quarantine so I'm like oh my gosh ain't no school girl exactly so I'm like will we again by hook or by crook I, I don't really care um if I can find now if it comes to it and there's a country that I don't need my TEFL and I could go over there well then that's where I'll start and I'll see South Korea next year like whatever it is I'm gonna figure it out but this has just been the first time that everything's felt very uncertain that I've hit these post-grad blues where I'm like what is what is my future right now and how am I gonna pay for stuff that matters like rent <laughs> yeah definitely I could like me fortunately for me I'm in school so I already wasn't working um relying on the little bit that FASFA decided to kick my way. And my parents, they both work in fields where it's like, my mom works in kind of in health, so she's solid. And then my stepdad's a truck driver, so you know, if we don't need anything, we need the truck drivers, because these stores are <laughs> ridiculous. So, very blessed over here on this end, just because like I know I'm going to be okay, but it's definitely yeah. scary for like a lot of people, um, yourself included, like, yeah this is so uncertain it's like i was telling someone it just feels like a movie like what even is happening we don't know i don't know what like all the other years i could be like okay in this month this is where i'm gonna be at we literally don't know how long this shit is gonna last we don't know i can't even plan for december like i like i we don't know when this is going to end. And over here in Vegas, it was like, we just got shut down yesterday, 30 days. Like, all the casinos. The strip is closed. So this is definitely unprecedented times. So you're in my thoughts, girl, with navigating all of that. Hopefully you do find something that helps you pay your rent. But how are you navigating that now since you have, like, a delayed post-grad blues? How are you navigating that? Are you using writing to cope with that? Are you... Like, what are you doing to ensure your wellness, mind, body, spirit during this time? I think it's really just focusing on the stuff I can control. So again, with um, doing the small things, like I said, like whatever it is, I'm work operating under the idea that I'm going to be going to Korea sometime soon. So whatever, it, other than... The, the 20 hours that I have to figure out time-wise, maybe that's going to be like prepping for that so that if there's even like a two-week reprieve or whatever and people are doing stuff, boom, let me do those two weeks and then I have it. Or just just really setting myself up so that I can do the things that I need to. And then um, watching, like learning Korean. Like I, either way, whether it's this year, cause I'm like, there's no way in heck this is about to last for two years. I'm two, three, four, five, no. Like whatever it is, it's like, it's not gonna be forever. Um, so I need to be still doing and operating under the idea that things are going to change or I'm going to make things change and I'm not going to be in the same situation. Um, and so working on my future. Yeah, so studying Korean, watching my Korean dramas, which are awesome. And um, now I'm hanging out with family. So pretty much relatively operating under normal because I haven't been working for the last month or so anyways. Uh, and then just keeping in mind that my future is relatively, I still have options. That's a good way to look at it. I do feel like what you said earlier about controlling, like focusing on what you can control as opposed to what is out of our control is gonna be a major key for all of this that's definitely really important during this time so you've just been you know spending time with family focusing on other things during this time have you been working on anything else than your um journal publication um since i've known you you wanted to be a writer so 
and you are a writer now like you are a writer like i'm not saying like oh you're an aspiring writer i don't believe in aspiring anything you're a writer so when did you finally decide to take the steps to publish your poetry book and what was that like very interesting it actually came from my previous job with the clients and figuring out plans so they were coming up with a new worksheet to have our clients fill out to put all the the baby steps for them to reach their goal and so they had us fill it out and then of course we'd share and blah 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 and I really took that and I was like okay well what's legitimately something that I want to do and then as soon as I like put that down then like the wheels started turning in my head like hey I already have some poems this is something that I've already wanted to do like what are some things that I can like get in place and like actually holding myself accountable the same way that I'm trying to expect to hold my clients accountable um and so that first like I guess dream what was that brainstorming like whatever session to get me whatever that like that was in like late April maybe early May of 2019 and then um, I did start like June and July I was traveling and whatnot so that definitely took precedence but I did start to think more heavily into that and I started to gather more stuff and like start looking through my poems um, that I wanted to add to tell the story that I wanted to tell uh, and then I finally put together a spreadsheet so put together a spreadsheet and I put in the poems that I already had that I think could go on there and then also poems that I wanted like just the titles of potential titles of poems that I wanted to make sure got in there to tell a certain aspect of my story so that was something so then it would be like is this poem finished is it in progress or do I still need to start it and then I even had like the numbers like how many are already finished how many are in this stuff like all of these processes um and that was probably I started to get there probably towards the end of July early August was working through them um and then sometime I hit at some point I got an email from something I can't even remember some book publisher that says something to the effect of like because of the embargoes that the U.S. was putting on China, a lot of publishers were going to be pulling, or no, China put them on us because of other stuff that the U.S. had done. So a lot of people were pulling out their publishing and bringing it back to the U.S. And so it was going to be that new publishers basically were going to be last, we were going to be the like last, what's it called? Priority. So newer publishers, especially small publishers, like a self-publisher like me, would be lowest priority. So I was like, I, and I had set the goal at the original thing that I wanted to hold the book in my hand by December 31st. So I was like, it needs to get published by the end of this year. Like it can't be getting published next year. So I was like, okay, then I need to step on it and finish it like as soon as possible so that it can be printing right now. So I don't have to worry about December and what all of that looks like and then it not come and then be mad about it. So, um that pretty much really lit the fire under my butt and the last thing that really helped with that process was like I said I had those poems that I knew I wanted to tell my story and a lot of my poems typically I write in free verse like I feel like a lot of people do that that's kind of the style yeah that's definitely been the style the last few years yeah and so after at a certain point you can't free verse every like because when it comes to free verse you kind of have to make up your own like stanzas and all of that stuff and that gets tiring too and I'm like this is not this is not working so I end up coming across this blog and it's um poetic asides by Robert Lee Brewer and he had a list of a hundred types of poems that like from A to Z like he had a hundred types of poems and then he gave examples of what they look like oh we love a list in alphabetical order first of all yes it was the best yeah it's the best thing ever so I could just go through those and see what for each one um how did that like do I feel like this is going to tell what I want to tell in the best way so that was really cool and then I got to play less then it became more of like a puzzle like this is the 
this is the format and then this is the story. How am I going to fit these pieces in there? So it was a little bit easier for me to, to do. Um, and that also allowed me to do like different uh, kind of series within it. So like if there were poems that had the same theme, then I they had the same structure across my. So it was cool and I could like connect things in that way. So it made it a little bit easier. But yeah, so all of those kind of came together. And then I just like worked my behind off. Like I was like, no, I want this done by the end of September. Like I was just on top of it. Like this has to be finished. I'm pretty sure I feel like I still did 10 poems within one week because I was just like, still didn't like, I'm glad I set my a due date for myself because clearly I was procrastinating. <laughs> so <laughs> I got on top of it. And so I finished within that. So yeah, that's kind of, that was pretty much it. See, I love that. Me, I kind of... Okay, so I know I talk about astrology like every episode. <laughs> I don't think I talked about it on my last one. But anyways, like, I feel like part of me is like, I'm an Aries, so I'm very much spontaneous and all over the place. But also, my rising is Taurus, which is an Earth sign. So I love a good process. I love a good um, check-in or due date or benchmark planner. You know me, like... I love stuff like that, so I definitely wrote notes this entire time you've been talking, because <laughs> hello, like eventually I want to be published, so if you want to be published, I hope you were taking notes, if not, rewind this shit back and start taking notes, because she just dropped a bunch of gems for us who want to become published, so what would you say during that process was the most important thing that you learned? I think know what you value when it comes to publishing, um, like the actual publishing process. So I actually talked to um, two, I talked to two betas. So for listeners that don't know what that is, just two other Greek individuals from a different Greek organization um, that also had books, poetry books published already. And I like looked at their work, read them and each of us had different things that was important to us, like by how we went about our process. Luckily, because of the internet and just there's so much access to different things, um, you there's just so many different publishing platforms. So like one person, it was really important to him to have, I think, physical copies. And so he went with someone that did that. So he provided me that information for a different person. Um, he wanted something that had like he really cared about promotion so he put his money into promotion for me I'm really big on visual art so all the money that I spent on it went into the cover like I spent the most money on my cover because I felt like that was important but everything else I did my own editing like I did my own so there's everybody can have their own process so I shared mine with you but there's obviously there's different ways for everyone to get the type of um, result that they want there's just you just need to do research reach out to people that have done what you that are basically where you want to be um, that you do have access to and just kind of to see how they did things and but yeah I think the biggest thing was just like it was kind of cool to see that like we all have different priorities on how our artwork comes out and that there's just different ways to go about that. Like I could have tried to go for a publishing house, but I wanted more control over my work. Like I feel like a publishing, this, this, the work was too personal for me to hand that over to someone else. I couldn't anywhere, anything else, probably any other books that I write, I might be able to hand them over to publishing houses, but this one was too personal that I had to self publish. So there's different, just know your options. Um, and research and just see how you want to go about things all right y'all y'all heard her it's very important to know your values um i feel like not even just publishing but as a general rule of thumb in life when you navigate your professional career you need to know what you value otherwise you won't know what your hard limits are when it comes to people asking you to do certain things for sure I value money, but I don't value money more than I value my peace of mind. So I definitely could see how that would be super important when you're publishing because hello, it's like your little baby, right? Like when you got the first copy, 
how did you feel like what was that it was kind of it's still it's like unreal like oh my goodness like this is a book that I put my hard-earned like energy and time and like all of the heartache and trauma that I went through is in this book like wow like I <laughs> I was able to make something out of that um especially because my cover art is just so fire it truly really is artist. honestly yeah, I'm gonna did. definitely share it on the pod she is amazing um Kokab is her first name can't remember her last name right now but she's amazing and all of her work was just amazing um so yeah all of it was just super exciting and very cool to just hold and I'm like well if like if I do nothing else useful for the rest of my life I published a book that's like, pretty <laughs> badass I can yes I was like it was a pretty and it's funny even to like go back and I like I even have my favorites my favorite poems um because I always wondered that I was like do I mean, I still don't, like, I'm not an actor, but I was like, do actors watch their own movies? Do, do artists listen to their own music? Like, do people do that? Do they consume their own art, like, their own art? Do, do they do that? And I'm like, well, for me, in my case, yes. Like, I definitely go back and read poems that I'm like, oh, like, wow, I really snapped on that one. Like, yes, this one's beautiful. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's, that's nice, too, to be able to, like, go back and reflect on those and that I can really leave the feelings that I had with those in that book, like they're done, they're wrapped up in that and it's over. Like you don't get any more of my energy. Like it's done. Period. No, I love that so much. So how did publishing your poetry book prepare you for getting published in an academic journal? Those are like two, I don't want to say polar opposites per se, but like academia compared to like the arts. So did it help you at all? Was it like a totally new process? Obviously, it's a different process because it's an academic journal. So you're working with um, a school or whatever. But yeah, what was that like? So it actually, for the most part, it was actually easier, if that makes sense. Like with the poetry, since I self-published, I had to be on my behind about all of my deadlines. But for them, they set up the deadlines for you. So it was like, hey, we need this much information by this period of time. So like first, your first, like um, when you first applied for it, it was like, just give us a brief overview of what you want to do. And the next thing was like, give us the abstract and maybe the outline. And then they reviewed that. And then it's like, hey, give us it more fleshed out. And then by this date, give us. So actually the, the review process was probably easier because I didn't have to be on myself like other people were the ones that were reviewing it and giving me my deadlines um of course I was super annoying and still managed to procrastinate and always did my stuff like literally because it would be due by eleven fifty nine eastern time so I'm over here at like eight o'clock finishing <laughs> up the last like what are you doing but um it actually was a very different process and I still got to do some poetry. Uh, the cool thing about that journal, um, my friend is actually in the program, the Vermont, she's in the Student Affairs Vermont Master's Program. Okay. And their, a little background on their program is they're very, for example, like, they're just a lot more, oh, what is the word? I don't even want to say liberal. Conscious? Um, Would that be a good word? They're more conscious for example, there one of the things that I could have done, one of the options I could have done for that would have been the scholar a scholarly narrative, which means that my experience is scholarly. Often we're told, oh, the information that you have is not scholarly because there's no statistics behind it or there's no science or whatever. But me being a black queer woman, my experience is valid. Like that my existence is enough to for whatever I say about my story my personal story that is scholarly so they had a different concept of what scholarly is in comparison to what other narratives would be and like that's why for that you, I could have done a zine there's it was just so much more flexible so I, in my work I actually do include poetry as part of my work um and so them by them expanding what the term scholarly is it gives more room for people to express things in academic spaces so I still got to put on my poetry hat 
and include that while also being more academic and um what's it called like analyzing a certain situation in regards to what I was trying to say hmm that's really interesting um I don't know if you know but I'm on gaming law journal and just like anything law related is obviously going to be way more you know dot your eyes cross your t's this is this is the law this is you know what i'm saying super serious so like hearing that there's like journals out there where you do have that like not saying that people that write for our journal um don't have that freedom but it's definitely like a limited type of like i think we have a list of things that we're we can solicit for and I feel like the fact that you could do a zine or you have poetry in your upcoming um, publication, that's pretty, I love that. Like I love, how do I say, intertwining the arts and scholarship. Like I feel like mm-hmm. people don't really see them as connected, but they definitely are. So that's, prof- yeah, what were you gonna say? Profession- oh, professionalism is also like a, that's a construct. And that's given Ooh, to us. Girl, don't get me you started. Know? So like <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So like that whole that that's why. So we just have to that so that journal really works to break down that stereotype. So I really appreciate the Vermont journal and like the Vermont connection and like being able to be part of that. It was super, super cool experience actually. No, I love that. When you um when I looked up the journal, obviously I looked it up because you said you were getting published and I was like, I need to know what this is about. And I saw it was the Journal for Student Affairs. I remember that you used to want to go into student affairs, like when you were um, graduating, like what is it, your senior year? Why am I, the words are escaping me. Been locked in this house too long. (laughs) But I do remember like you wanting to go into student affairs. So I was like, oh, that's so cool because like, you know what I mean? Like, I just remember that being something that you had wanted to go into and the fact that that's what you were writing about in a way. What is your topic, by the way? Like, I know what it is, but maybe share it with everyone else. So the title of my article is Developing Community Through Energy, the Impact of Student Extracurricular Collaboration. So I actually talk about two events that I, one of them I attended at SDSU, or no, one of them I actually put on, helped put on at SDSU, and the other one was put on by a different set of organizations on campus. So it, part of it is my first hand account and the other one is based by assumptions or what I understood based off of someone else's account of the second uh, the second event. But the journal uh, theme was connectedness. And so my concept was kind of how the way students interact and the topics that they choose to speak about creates energy. And energy is important because the energy that you feel, energy meaning like emotion that will lead to something that will change your actions in the future, whatever energy is created is what affects our community as a whole. So if it's a small thing, um, but it makes you feel more connected or it makes you rethink your actions, then when you go out into the SDSU community as a student, you're going to interact in a different way as opposed to... so the way that we put on collaborative events as students and when we talk about certain things, there's a big responsibility in doing that because you need to be careful on how, if you're not, if you mishandle that, that affects the community. And you could either be, it could be a positive thing or it could be detrimental. And that's why it really matters. So I talk about these two different events that were basically set up the same. Like they were based off of student experiences of certain as like marginalized people in society and how one set up a a system for the attendees to do better when they went out into the world and the other one kind of it was more like if you came to the event you've done what you need to not any actions moving forward or Um... it was just not a positive yeah so and being able to play with that and then also um in regards to student affairs just kind of how student affairs staff can help like mitigate those situations like having people there can help decrease those that detrimental effect um in regards to these events because they really can be hit or misses wow definitely listen 
as someone who was an undergrad for five years and in the sorority the entire five years and seeing different events put on by other organizations, our own organizations, the university, yes. <laughs> I feel like events definitely need a call of action of sorts. Like, even if it's an awareness event, it still needs a call to action because it's you go to so many events that it's like, if it doesn't have something for you to take with you after the fact, it's kind of like, it'll be forgotten, basically. Mm-hmm. And, like, just one of the events was... um Oh, like it just really like that event, the person that I used to kind of tell me about that event, because I didn't attend specifically because I had a feeling that the event would go the way that it went. <laughs> hey, it was um, that good. Yeah. Like, uh, was that it really, it almost worked against progress. Like there's a, it was a bit, a, an event about racism and it seemed to play into white fragility instead of calling Oh no. Out. And, th- and if, if that's what you're going to do, then why did you even have the event? Like, that's not, that doesn't serve anyone. That's like, you will survive your feelings being hurt. We are not surviving be- you not or allowing racism as a structure to continue existing. And because it was a bigger organization that has a lot of pull in different circles on campus, that's a big deal. And Definitely. You, you, you fumbled the, that. So, yeah, it was very interesting. It was very cool to actually like even expand on that with writing it so yeah so when is that coming out um I actually don't know what when the online version will be granted of course they're another school everybody's been affected by that's true I don't know so I was supposed to get my in the mail and then of course I failed to mail it on time (laughs) <laughs> or I sent, forgot to return the email with my address on it. So fingers crossed that they still, some people were there to be able to send them out. Because if not, I don't know when I'm going to get my copy. But eventually the online version will be available and I'll be able to share that so that it's accessible. But I'm not too sure. They just said, like, when we have it available, we'll let you know. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, that's totally true. Wow. I'm just like... I'm still, like, not even realizing how much this thing is going to affect, like, literally everything. Everything. Oh, man. Okay, so we already talked about how your plans, once this is all figured out, are to teach abroad in South Korea or wherever you can go once this is all figured out. So what are you currently doing? Are you, you know, you mentioned that you're watching a bunch of Korean dramas Is that on Netflix? What's that on? Are you reading any books? Are you writing anything outside from, you know, like, what are you up to? So I, okay, so the last, is it a drama? I think I would consider it a drama, but on my birthday, which is March 13th, I am a Pisces son. We love a Pisces. Well, I do. I can't (laughs) speak for everyone else. (laughs) We're very creative. The... This show, Kingdom, uh, it's a historical Korean drama. So it's set in the Joseon period. So you have people in like their super fancy robes and you have kings and queens and stuff. And it's a zombie show. So it's super awesome, like the political drama of it and everything. The second season just came out. Um, Definitely binged that all on my birthday. I binged it again on Tuesday and I'll probably binge it again by the end of the week because it's just great it's a really good one but I also so there's been a bunch I have to say Netflix has some pretty good Korean dramas and then there's other platforms that I can find um Viki V-I-K-I Rakuten Viki Rakuten also has a bunch of Korean dramas so I've just been kind of finding whatever works re-watching stuff that I like what else have I been up to yeah okay so Kingdom is a really good one uh search www I've never in any language watched a show that showed women, that showed a dynamic female cast in that way. There's three main characters. The love stories are like subplots. So they're there. So they're, it's not like they're not women or not loved. All of the women are loved by their male counterparts. There's no toxic romance at all. They're very much loved and appreciated by their male we love to see it yeah and the main story is about the three women and their friendships regarding and they're all they're strong businesswomen 
and they work for like the equivalent of like Google. So they're like search engines and it's like all the company drama going back and forth between them. It's like, like the, like, oh my gosh, like there's no words. Like I've never seen anything that put all the people of power in that show are women. The, the villain, a woman with a lot of money the CEO over here a woman the supervisor over here it's a woman like all of the major characters are women and the first time I've ever seen a black person in a Korean drama was a black woman who was the US CEO that show is mind-boggling I've never seen that ever and it was the best thing ever like just their portrayal of women was just so awesome and nuanced and it was the best thing ever so 10 out of 10 recommend search www for a Korean drama if you have to watch one. And then Strong Girl Bong Soon. She's like, all the women in her family are super powerful, like superhero powerful. And it's just a bunch, it's like a super soapy, goofy romance and thriller. So that one's also really awesome. So I've been like, I've been watching my Korean dramas, trying to get into the books that I have been sitting on my shelf. So I have lots of I have lots of books sitting on my shelf. Yeah, I literally just organized my bookshelf <laughs> right before this interview. And I'm like, why didn't I do this before? I have a lot of books that I didn't even realize that I have because they were all like just put in different places in my house and in my room. And yeah, I definitely need to crack some open because I'm losing my damn mind just, in here. <laughs> yeah, books, writing. I really, now that like we're kind of stuck in here, we're stuck inside. I think I really am going to try to get on my podcast and writing thing. Yeah, so those, those, yes, girl. those stories as well. They're kind of, they're supposed to be like sequels to each other, but one's a podcast and the other one would be the book. So they're, and the main characters, one is the grandmother of the other one. And it's kind of an apocalyptic world too. And it'd be sci-fi. So I'm really, I really want to get onto that. But because it's sci-fi, there's a lot of like, to some extent there's some research that has to be done <laughs> and making sure everything fits well and it's not awkward and weird but yeah like I'm looking forward to those the thing about writing novels as opposed to poetry is that like poems when you edit them it's just them specifically and then maybe you move them around in different positions mm -hmm. to make sure they're telling the story correctly but like with chapters especially the way my brain works everything needs to be cohesive so I might be, and like even my symbolism yeah. too, I want everything to connect. So like if I change something over here, then that means that that completely makes something else obsolete. So that's why I like, sometimes it's been taking me a little bit longer to get my novels started as opposed to my poetry book. But I have all the time in the world now to figure it out. Oh, girl. <laughs> Right. This is the best time for you to do that, which is kind of how I've been feeling. Like, I feel like right now everything is going to shit in the world, <laughs> but I've definitely been able to um, at least work on content for my blog and my podcast. It kind of sucks for my Instagram feed because I just have to post CBTs because I cannot leave my house. So it's like, unless I'm going to start taking pictures in my house, I don't know. But I definitely think this is a good time for content creators to like have to, well, if you utilize it properly, you're like kind of, we're forced to just like sit and be and do. So it's like, just do. So I'm looking forward to reading and listening to that. I'm going to be harassing you. That's good. Um, <laughs> at some point in time, because that's just who I am as a person. But before all of this happened and we were, you know, stuck in the house and eventually we'll be out of the house, hopefully if you're listening to this hopefully people listen to this in the future and they are not stuck to their house how before all of this how did you go about handling your scandal aka balancing your busy life like you were working on publishing a book and you were working with you know welfare recipients and all the other different things traveling all over the place so how did you go about handling your scandal um kind of going back to what i said before with uh, knowing what I valued, especially when I was working, because with work, I did not realize it, but that really drained me so much. So I would come home because I got off at five and it was only like a 20 minute drive, which was great. Um, so I'd be home like about 530 at the latest and I would definitely sleep until like seven. So I'd take a girl. What? Yeah. And I didn't even like, it was just like, my body was like, please, like we're dying. We have to sleep. Like it was that much of an emotional toll or like physical toll on my brain so then I wake up and then it would be like okay maybe I need to watch my show a little bit 
if this needs to be handled, then I need to put in a little time to do this. So knowing the things that were important to me and making sure that also like this is a lot. I need to make sure that I have my trip set for this day. I'm going to buy it. I have the money right now. Let me pay for my plane ticket in cash. Let me pay for this in cash so that I have everything set. So I also know something that I'm looking forward to. So really, there was something at when I was working um, as a leadership presenter at SDSU, a PLC, peer leadership consultant. There was this little story that we used to tell at the end of our time management workshops. And um, basically, it was this teacher took a jar in front of his students and he put in like five big rocks. And then um, he asked the students like, oh, do you think I can fit more stuff into this? And the students were like, no. So he picked up like a bag of pebbles and then he poured some pebbles in there. And then he's like, OK, do you think I can fit some more now? And the students were like, oh, yeah, probably. So then he poured some gravel in there and then he poured sand in there. And then finally, at the end, he poured water and he asked the students like, oh, so what do you think I'm like trying to tell you with this demonstration? And they're like, oh, no matter what, you can always fit more into your day or like you can figure out and always fit more stuff in. And it's like, no, that's not it at all. The idea is that you have to put in your big rocks first. Like if you didn't put those big rocks in there, they never would have got in there because everything else, all the other small stuff would have taken up their space. So you really have to make sure that you're putting, like I always wanted to make sure I'm putting my big rocks in first. Like I need to make sure that there's these things that are going to keep me sane and make sure those are put into my life so that when I'm exhausted and I just cannot function, they're either already handled or there's a system for them to get handled so that I don't have to feel guilty for allowing my brain to relax and watch three, four episodes of this amazing Korean drama. That's how I handled my scandal. Whoa, like my mind is just blown away. <laughs> so excuse my lack of a response, but that's deep. It's so important to definitely know what your big rocks are, right? Like if you don't know what that is, then you can't really navigate everything else. Um, I was actually talking to my friend, Ariel. She's been on episode, episode two. And then she's going to be on an episode in the future as well. But I was talking to her um, right before 2020. So like, you know, the end of the year when you're like doing all your thinking about what you want to prioritize in the future. And I was talking to her about like values. So it's just crazy that like this is what you're talking about. Because obviously that was something I said in 2019 and guilty as charged. I didn't really take time to sit and think about my values because they do change, right? Like. What I valued in 2016 is definitely nowhere near what I value now. But at the same time, some values stay with you consistently. Like, I'm always going to value peace of mind, regardless of what else is going on in my life. So I think that's definitely important. And the fact that you've, like, I don't want to say cracked the code, but, like, yeah, I think when it comes to handling your scandal, you do need to, you can't handle it if you don't know what you're valuing to handle. Because some stuff, you're going to have to drop the ball every so often. Like, that's just life when you're a busy person. So I appreciate that. Do you have any other advice for our listeners? No, that's everything. Mic drop on that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, um, I cannot top myself any more than I already have done. No, I definitely feel that. So I want to thank you for coming out. I don't know why I always say coming out. <laughs> Disregard it. Thank you for sitting with me and being featured on my podcast. It means so much to me. You know, I always cheer for you and I will tell anyone who will listen how amazing you are and the fact that you have a poetry book, which you can buy on Amazon, even though it might now take a little bit longer to get there just with all the other things going on in the world. I have my copy already, so I ain't sweating it. But for those of you who don't have it, it is available on Amazon. I'll be in touch with her to know when her journal is available online, her journal um, publication. So yeah, where can the people find you? Um, so my Twitter is T-Sipping. So T-E-Y-S-I-P-P-I-N-G. Um, and then my Instagram my brand Instagram is iridescently tea. Oof. I'll spell it yeah, out in the show notes. Please do, because I was like, <laughs> I know everybody ain't a uh, spelling bee, but iridescent. We're going to have a spelling yeah, bee right now. Like, but that word is very important to me. 
Um, oh, and then my website is iridescentexpedition.com. Also, we'll want to rely on Mara for that as well. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes, y'all. Um, but yeah, that's everything. All right. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me, Tiana. I appreciate you. Always rooting for you. And yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like very geeked to have been on (laughs) that makes me happy all right y'all y'all stay safe stay your ass in the house and make sure to handle your scandal